Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast, Dr. Sonny Spear. Our guest today is Dr. Chad Johnson. I don't know if you remember Chad, but he's the dentist that decided to switch to fully fee-for-service and buy two dental practices right before COVID. Honored that fee, uh, excuse me, honored that price, bought them, and tried to increase his brand to have three offices that he was running. Sad story is he lost one of them. He had to admit it didn't work. And how is he doing now, two years later? It's a great update. It's a great story. So stick around and please listen. As always, Peeper Service Dentist Podcast is brought to you by our great sponsor, Kettenbach Dental. Kettenbach, new from them, is a product that's great for every cementation protocol you can think of. It's a hydrophilic adhesive cement and a hydrophobic core buildup material. So it does both. So naturally, it's a combined cement and core buildup. So it's called Vesalis Semcor. Try it out. It's a wonderful product. We've used it in our practice now for the last year. Experience why dentists bond permanently with Kettenbox all-in-one adhesive cement and core buildup Vesalis Semcor. Call 877 532-2123. Tell them Sonny sent you and they will double the price. No, just kidding. Uh, Or visit kettenbach-dent.us. K-E-T-T-E-N-B-A-C-H-D-E-N-T.us. Sit back and enjoy the show, folks. Thank you very much. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast, Dr. Sonny Spira. Our guest tonight is an old friend. Dr. Chad Johnson from beautiful Iowa. That's right. Hi, buddy. Good to see you, man. Now, if we all remember now, you had gone fee-for-service back a couple years ago. That's right. You had a couple of other locations, couple offices. We did a little update. Let's talk now two years out. Yep. Fill us in. Where are things at? All right. So the the quick skinny, uh, I had uh, right when COVID was coming about – I had bought, uh, and how's my mic uh, volume right at this distance? Is this okay? Are you, are you, you. gains? Okay. Um, so 
I had bought two new practices, then COVID let's, hit. Let's tell everybody, you had agreed on purchase prices. Correct. And you held that purchase price even after COVID. Correct. Um, one, Both guys let me kind of stagger until we opened back up because I was supposed to close like in March, right when we were closing the offices. And I was just like, listen, can I buy a practice that's open? <laughs> and so... Uh, both of them were kind enough to to relinquish that. You know, they were like, fair enough. This is unprecedented. Um, so uh, this last September, one year ago, um, about 18 months-ish into the practice on the north side, I ended up closing that one down. That one tanked. Uh, the one on the west side is still flourishing. And so I'm down to two practices now instead of three. Uh, basically opportunity cost was affording me too much, um, loss by being open on the North side one. And, uh, -huh. uh, there was so much that was changing to that practice. So yeah, I'd like to talk about it and kind of, you know, share my, my loss for other people's gain. Uh, you know, a lot of people want to talk about how awesome, yeah. you know, things are going and, and the wins of it all but it's worth at least sharing to catch people up. So that way they can go, Oh, okay. I can learn from that for better or worse. Yeah. Now your, your practice in the North side, you had to close it. Did you try to reallocate those patients to your other offices? Yes. What happened? Yep. Uh, but you know, when I first bought the practice, it wasn't much, there wasn't much of a, a, patient pool established that I was purchasing. So that what, wasn't, what did you pay for that? What was, what was the cost for you oh, to purchase it? Uh, 300, uh, 200, 200, Okay. And the practice was doing. Oh, in business. Um, yeah. shoot. Uh, it, I've cast this out of my mind so much, but I want to give you real numbers. Um, uh, the future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. A half a mil. Okay, so you Maybe. bought it for about two fifty, a fair price for a five hundred thousand dollars practice. Yeah. Well, he and... was only there a day and a half a week. It was more for the potential. Um, oh his was also really, um, his was more a, uh, um, a lower insurance slash Medicaid model. I really wasn't concerned about taking it up for the sake of the patients that were there. I right. think he honestly had, uh, 400 ish active patients. Mm -hmm. It was very small. Um, and, uh, and Funny enough, when I discussed this with my team, they were just like, man, the one on the west side is not, I don't know why you're buying that one. This one on the north side is going to be where it's at. That's where a lot of the growth is. But again, COVID is the big excuse of why it was a very you know, dramatic change with COVID and the world going you know, in a handbasket. Uh, so uh, to be switching it from a, a low insurance model to fee for service with so few of patients. I um, had about a hundred patients that I kept to the other offices. Listen, this was a catastrophic loss and I'm paying on this for the next couple of years. So this wasn't, um, 
this was just as tough to close for my pride as it was, you know, to take the loss as opposed to just keeping it open to pretend like things are going good or something like that on, uh, I foresee this location being a good, um, a good location in the next five to 10 years. So it's, I think I was just, but I couldn't wait. It was, uh-huh. It was it, when I calculated it out, I, I honestly feel like it was costing me between 30 and $40,000 a month in, um, in revenue, like I, that I was losing by just keeping it. And so it was just too much. Now the location, if I remember from our last conversation, you ended up renting it out. Did you? Um, no, I was, I was interested in offering that. I was, you know, like, uh, it, but it was a rental space. So I did not own the right. the facility. Yeah. There were three suites. I had one of the three suites. Right. But you had a, you had a lease, right? For how long? Uh, five years. So you got, you know, four, three, three years left on the lease. You still paying on that lease? Uh, no. Um, so when I sold, uh, the practice, the guy who bought it took, uh, you know, reassumed the new lease. Okay. So you did sell it. I did. Yeah. And you took a pretty good hit. What'd you sell it for? 50. Oh, fire sale. Yes. Uh, I mean, if he would have said, <laughs> I have a feeling if, if he would have said, I'll give you 50 bucks for it, I'd be like, great. Sounds amazing. Cause really the problem was what it was costing me more than yeah. what hundred percent. You yeah, yeah, stop yeah. the you no, stop your bleeding. Total right? stop. Yeah. And, and the, the, the other problem was the other two were doing so well that it was, a maddening waste of time to go and sit there for an afternoon or something like that and have two patients show up. The Doc Sites provides affordable and effective websites for dentists with no long-term contracts, transparent pricing, and great customer service, starting at only $59 a month. They also provide optional online marketing packages to help increase your online visibility. For special offers, including up to 25% off your website setup, text fee for service to 818-489-9823. 818-489-9823. This is a limited time offer, so text now and lock in your savings and visit Doc Sites for more information. I mean, that's just... It, so you know what you did? You paid for an MBA program. That's what you ended up doing. Oh, boy. Oh boy, did I? Yeah. Well, and I, I, you have, you have to look at it, right? Yeah. You paid for the education. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to think of it. Right. So now it can help facilitate what you're going to do with the other two practices. I like what you're doing with this because I foresee a student loan forgiveness of $10,000 that I could apply to this. uh... I'm I'm digging that. I'm digging that. I feel you (laughs) for my MBA 10,000 off of your 200. Yeah. That's a good deal. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm yes. Um, my, my team actually is still baffled that, uh, like when I'll say, well, for the next couple of years, while I'm paying off that couple hundred thousand dollars, they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I still have to pay for the business. You, yeah. I know you all were excited that I closed it, but I, it doesn't just go away. Yeah. That's not how it works. And they're like, not in the real world, it's not how it works. Right. And they're like, wow, I never thought that, you know, they're like, but surely it's not too much. Right. And I'm like, yep, it is. And they're like, oh man, that's, that's horrible. And I'm like, 
So it's very convenient as an employee just to say, why don't we just close this? Okay, we can. And I don't think that's a bad idea, but th there's still an after cost to it. Okay. So you close that one, but the other practice which you bought was the West Side practice, you said? Correct. Now, when you did this, you had to think big, right? You had to think, okay, how do I run this? How do I structure this? Yeah. What is your time looking like right now with two offices? Oh, a lot better than three. I've come on vacation mode. Um, you know, when you, when you go on a diet from three to two, even though the one was the struggle bus, but now I'm at two places that flow well. And um, uh, the, the, the tough decisions now here's, you know, uh, problem, problem number two was I had multiple associates and we weren't having enough patients to be able to keep them. So right. I was working on growth mode right when COVID hit and it's just the worst timing in the world. And, uh, still just trying to do things right and being hopeful that things turn around. Um, but uh, the, the patient numbers really weren't flowing to where I was, expecting to get uh, huge um, new patients to be able to fill their schedule. I was, no, I was hoping that would be the case, but I wasn't realistically expecting that to happen. So we kind of just started tapering back. And uh, I, as of, um, as of the, the end of the year, uh, I, uh, I finished my contract with the associate on the uh, the original location. And then about May is when I finished the contract for, uh, the, the West side location. So I'm, I'm it, I'm running, you know, the both locations. Really? Yep. Uh, but that's more profitable now. And that was a very tough decision, but what we've done is we've gone, we've shrunk back down and we're doing, uh, two weeks at one, one week at the other for on a three week cycle. Two, two weeks at one, one at the other, and then you're closed for a week. Yep. Okay. I mean, that's what you're, that's what you wanted. You want to be closed one week a month, every month? No, um, I don't want is a strong word, but, um, the patient numbers aren't affording for me unless I, I mean, I tell you, I could open the floodgates and, and, and go in network, but I've burned those ships and, uh, I'm learn that you learn that expression. Yep. Burn the boats, baby. Yes, <laughs> and uh, and and I'm 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 actually really happy. So we have the way we call it is two locations, one team, and I right. bring my my A team to the. You know, we bring our best when we're there, and we rock it out, and then we go to the other place and rock it out there, and um, it's uh, it's a lot less stressful because we don't have, I mean, really. Okay. So, so when we were growing, my team was at 23 and now we're at 10. Uh, so man, 10, 10, all of a sudden becomes quite manageable when you're used to 23. But what, what's your five-year plan? You're going to grow this to a two doctor practice? Uh, yes, but I'm really leery. That's a good question because I'm not exactly sure. Um, I'm going to be quite transparent with whoever's coming in to say, listen, I don't want an indefinite associate that just wants to come into a fee for service practice. I feel like that's tough having someone come in and just be like, yeah, I'll take 30% on hundred percent collections. And, uh, and then I'll, um, just kind of just 
do my own thing and get out of there. It's just like, well, listen, I'm only going to do that for a year or two before you figure out if this is the practice for you to buy into or not. Um, it won't be a five year kind of like, well, think about it kind of thing. And that was where I left off with the associates. Had they been interested in buying in, I would have been interested in helping facilitate that. But since it wasn't there, it's just kind of like, well, at my point in this business dating, um, I don't see this relationship going to a business marriage. So, you know, like we're just done. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in a respectful way, uh, you know, I can feel, I feel like that can be done in, in a business sense, just as well as in a personal relationship kind of thing that you can just say, listen, I mean, I think you're awesome, but we're not going to be awesome together forever. Just the way that we are, it needs to blossom into something. Sure. Oh, so yes. Uh, so I'd like to bring in an associate, but it has to be the right kind of I don't want to call it gunner, but you know, the right kind of person that's ambitious enough that wants to, um, bring fee for service dentistry to, uh, my practices as opposed Mm -hmm. to me, you know, just saying, you know, having someone say, I guess I'm just here, you know, you need me to do a class two. And it's just like, okay, you know, like, yes, but I need something. I need a, I need a partner, a a colleague, the mindset, you need a doctor with that mindset. Right. A colleague partner with that mindset. Correct. So I'm not sure. And you know what? So Sonny, here's where uh, I'm still in the stagnant point of figuring out is do I actually just rock it the way that, man, when I changed it up, um, I don't have, I don't have to trim the fat right now. There's, there's no fat. Things are looking good. Yeah. Cash flow is probably really good right now. uh Uh-huh. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so now I'm starting to go, do I just do this? I mean, there, I don't think there's a, anything inherently wrong with just doing what I'm doing and, and letting someone else, you know, maybe buy it in on my last year or two on the way out. Uh, I'd really like to mentor people. I like doing that kind of stuff, but I've also found that not everyone wants to be mentored or they have a different level of interest in it. So as much as this, you know, student wants to learn, he can learn, but you know, the, the teacher can't want it for him. Mm-hmm. I know. I agree. Yeah. Well, the reason I'm asking though, is, is, is there's now that the dust has settled a little bit and the scars are starting to <laughs> yep. sort of, you know, toughen up a little bit, sure. you know, you, you gotta give, you gotta sit back and take a look at, at where you're at and, and there's nothing, and there's no wrong answer, which I think is beautiful. Yes. Right? You can stay, hey, listen, I'm good. I'm in a plateau. I'm here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy maybe a very slow, methodical type of growth that I can absorb. Yep. Or I'm gonna try to push to create a little more growth. And then with that means more growing pains, more adding staff, you know. But you have some vision as far as where you're gonna take it. And maybe it's just not not the time yet because the wounds are a little fresh still, right? So, right. Well, so the problem with having shrunk to one team, two locations is now I've got a conundrum. I bring on a new doc yeah. that says, okay, well, how about I practice where you are not? Okay, yeah, well, no, then, no, it, no, then it's, it's a, it adds tremendous challenges. Yeah, then it's a quality control issue. Or on the other hand, if they go where you are, what problem is that solving? I mean... <laughs> 
Yeah, no, but if you're going to mentor somebody too, I mean, that's, there, there's different Absolutely. ways. That's the upside so, to it is if right. they're with you, then you can mentor them. But now, for example, in the West side practice, when we have five operatories, now all of a sudden, instead of having two for myself uh, and three hygiene, I have one for myself or do they observe, you know? So those are things that I'm thinking through. Sure. I sure haven't come to a conclusion on that yet. Well, I think the as you get some more clarity, though, it will help you make the decisions that you'll need to make with that in mind. So if you say, yeah. listen, this is going to become a two-doctor practice within the next five years. Yeah. Then you can put on your mind, okay, listen, to get to that point, within five years, we're going to need twice as many assistants, twice as many hygienists, you know. So you you it allows you to start to get some timelines on some things to do yeah. a little strategic planning, yep. you know, and it's, it's just so helpful. Uh, and, and, but there's, you know, it's nothing wrong with where it's at and yeah. enjoying it a little bit, paying down, knocking down some debts. I'm sure that's looming a little bit. And right. I know that uncle Sam is not going to promise to pay you Jack. So it's nice <laughs> if you can, uh, you know, take some of that. And then, and then once you get that off of your mind, I think there's a little more clarity of vision that will happen. Yep. I, I'm in the fog of it right now. I feel like I'm clearing right. out of that right now. It actually, I, I, I can't believe that work feels so satisfying, and that um, when Thursday comes, I'm, I'm charged to get dentistry done on Thursday as much as I was on Monday. And um, by you know Monday morning, I'm not going. Oh, great! You know, I've got a full week ahead of me. Um, I had never really had that before until COVID hit. It really like the, the, it really drained me. Um, I, I think, you know, patients were draining, employees were draining, the whole system was draining. And so I was drained. Um, right. A perfect leader would have brought their best every day and this and that, but I suppose I'll just say I'm imperfect enough that um, I, I wasn't my healthiest mental, you know, state, for when COVID hit versus five years before then. I just wasn't. I I sure tried being resilient and I feel like I put up a good fight. But at the same time, when I look back, I'm, I, 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 you almost could have asked me, you know, in June of 2020, hey, are you uh, mentally, do you have as much fortitude as you did a year ago? Heck no. Heck no. No. Well, let me ask you this now. Just let's, let's just try to give me some perspective on the numbers. Sure. Your practice was doing your your practice before you added anything else was was doing in what range, number wise? Um, we were um, we were producing three point three point three million. Three point three million single doctor in your practice. Correct? No, no, uh, no. At, at the original one, I had uh, an associate um, with me, and I'm trying to think at the time if there was another associate that was leaving out. But uh, yeah, we were either way. Whether there were there were two of them or one of them, we were doing you know like three point three, three point two in production somewhere in there. I don't want to say three point four, but these are rough numbers that. You know, I don't want. All right, my... so you call it three. So then you added yeah, three. five. You added five in this other office. What did you add in the west office? Uh, uh, f f uh for operatories or no dollars, dollars. Um, so the the west side practice uh is um one point five. 
So you um, added a from- 1.5 to your 3.2. Right. And then you added about five in this other practice. No, no, on the north side one? Yeah. No, no the north. Oh, uh, the, the north side one was hardly doing a dime. What was the gross revenue? I thought you said it was around 500. I'm sorry. When I bought it from. Yeah, when you bought it. That's what yeah, I got. Yeah, from so the other guy. It, bought, I couldn't produce that. But, but right, my so, problem was he was producing that, but he wasn't collecting that. Right. So I what mean, was I, his numbers? What was he collecting? Shoot. Uh, if it was a couple hundred thousand, 250 maybe. So you paid 250 for it and it was doing about 250 is what yes. you're saying. Right? Yeah. All right. So you added 250 of revenue to to 3.2. So now you're at quote 3.5, we'll call yeah. it. And you added another 1.2 in revenue in this other practice. Right? Right. So now you should be, if everything works out right, if I if I got this right, 3.2 plus 1.5. Five, that's 4.7. You add another two, you're at 4.9, almost 5 million. No, there's, there's something that's not adding up right because, um, the, the Ankeny one, man, I tell you what, uh, even if we're talking gross revenue, gross. I mean, I'm just talking gross numbers. I swear. I I'm, I'm just trying to like recall this. I, I, I it's almost like this purposeful blocking out of my mind. If we were doing 20,000 a month, I'd be shocked at the North side office. It was, it was bad. I mean, but I was only there in the afternoons. I had an associate up there, you know, doing what she could and stuff like that. But, um, but But I'm just trying to get, so if if you add all that up, now you have your two practices. Are you anywhere in that vicinity now? Yeah. So my, uh, like, even though it's just me and I'm working, um, on the the original uh, practice on the east side, and then the the practice on the uh, the west side, yeah. uh, the the east side practice is doing twice the volume. I, I think we're going to be at a, a two million for the year, and then a one million for the west side one, so three million total. But that's now not just production, but also collection. Because right, but isn't it? Where you, but wait, but your number before you said when you were by yourself, you were at three point two. You said in the one practice that was production, though. Uh, so I was producing oh, more. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, we got to talk real numbers because production. Well, and it's, it's good to know because when I first was doing that, it was a PPO practice, right? So yeah, and so my are... collections. Well, I'll tell you, my so my production was three point two. My collections was two uh, two million to two point one. Now we're talking real numbers. Okay. Correct. So, so you were 2 million there. Yeah. Then you added about 200 in the North practice, right? Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. So you'd be at two, three. And then what did you add with the other one? Uh, from the West side practice. Yeah. Uh, it was, he, I think originally is older gentleman doing this uh, practice. He was originally doing, uh, you know, uh, half a million, maybe, maybe 600. And but that, then that's collection now. He was all fee for service. Yes, collection and production the same. Okay. So he was so, at five or six hundred, and I bumped it up to one point two. So that so that six went to one point two, and then your practice, your original practice, I lost one. production but not collections. Right. So in the end, it's a net win for you when you add all three in. Yeah. Uh, so especially when I'm done paying for the loss of the North side one, because I just want to wipe that out of my memory, but I still have, you know, let's say 150,000 left to pay on it, something like that. 
Um, mm-hmm. Next couple of years, I'll have that tackled. Um, but I have 1 million from the West side, 2 million from the, uh, the East side, 3 million total in collections, you know, all fee for service. Yeah. So, so why would you bother changing what, what's wrong with that? Right. Uh, nothing. I'm, I'm pretty happy with how things are going right now. I mean, it's not tycoon style of, of building a, a, you know, hundred thousand, uh, square foot, 100 operatory kind of place that, you know, fancy sometimes, yeah, but the, that's not you. That's no. Not you. And it, you know, that's the thing I've rediscovered who I am. I, I even right? a few years ago, I bought a, a, a four acre lot on the corner South of town. And I was going to, I was like, well, I'm going to build like an 18 op facility. And I just realized I'm like, Volume isn't necessarily the key to success. It can be. I have no nothing against volume. I some Correct. of the patients that left my office and they're like, uh, you know, we we need to find someone that's in network. I say, go to my buddy up the road. You know, he's a great guy. He'll take good care of you. And I've sent patients over to him, um, and he's doing the volume kind of thing. And I'm happy for him. Go for it. You know, but like, uh, it's just I've I've discovered who I am more. So let's talk about that path to self-discovery, right? It's so in other words, then you paid two hundred thousand dollars for therapy. That's how that's how <laughs> that too. <laughs> well, plus so talk, whatever my talk about that. Costs. Talk about that journey then. Talk about uh, talk about that to the same to to the effect of I'm a dentist. I've had some, you know, some bumps and bruises along the way. What did so, you do to, to help you rediscover who you are? The, the futility of it all when I thought, okay, before this is before COVID, and I'm thinking, okay, what if my production numbers went up? What if I could produce more? And that's good. You know, it's, it's healthy to have more horsepower in a vehicle, but that might not alone be what it's all about. But, you know, that's a healthy stat to follow. And then, but like if your expenditures are going out just as much, then it's just mm-hmm. like, okay, well then, you know, after a while I learned EBITDA and then I learned more about EBITDA. So like there's this in, initial entry level of like understanding, oh, that's a number that accountants use to figure out, you know, like how successful the practice is and how successful my take home is on an accounting, you know, level. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. That's interesting. And so you start off with the fair enough. That's interesting. And then it grows into, okay, so how do I maximize that? Because really in the end, if I have, if I have 20 years, let's even say left, if I have 20 years left of a $150 EBITDA per year, then it's like, in the end, do I have anything to show for it other than, you know, a, a sold off failed practice on the North side back in 2021. So um, there was futility in figuring out, okay, if, if my business is doing okay at producing, you know, 3 million widgets a year, uh, what if, what if I produced 6 million widgets a year, but then my, my take home was half of that because now I have associates that are wanting more and are cutting into it. So it's not this pure, like um, microeconomic supply and demand game that you can just look at the two, uh, uh, you know, curves and just go, well, it's right there in the middle. It's like, no, it's very complex. So I do like Bill Blatchford's idea of shrinking to greatness because it reminds the dentist, wait, just because you have 2000 patients doesn't mean you'll make twice as much money. If you have 4,000 patients, it might, but there's also ways that you could figure out 
I'm just throwing it out there, how to make twice as much money on 1000 patients. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's possible. Um, volume is good. You don't want to just have hundred patients, you know, because then those hundred patients very much matter. But if you could pick your hundred patients across America, you know, one being, you know, Jeff Bezos, one being Bill Gates, one, be, you know, all of a sudden, you know, if you could handpick your hundred, you're going to be doing pretty good. Uh, cause then you could say, well, I know my billionaire patients, I can charge this much. Um, uh, my futility came in. I just, I kept on creeping up in productivity per year. And that's where we got to the point where I'm over 3 million. And I, you'd think that I'm just, you know, super rich and just may, you know, like any high schooler, if I went to talk to them at the, at the high school about dentistry, they'd be like, wow. You know, like if, if for some reason I was bragging about stats and said, here's, here's what we're doing, man, you've, you've got to be making $2 million yourself. I mean, who knows what high schoolers think, but it's just like in reality, that's not true. And hey, three, 3 million on 40, 40, 40 week year work week. Cause you're doing th three weeks a month. Yeah. That does suck, man. Oh, no, 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 no. But if your expenditures are high and you've got, you know, like a, a, a new, a couple new practices, one that's failing and this and that, you know, it's just like, okay, well now wait, now let's start. That's when I started figuring out, I don't want to do PPO anymore. I, yep. uh, I, I'm, you know, I've got uh, a, a lot of good training. I've got a lot of good team. I've got s good systems. I've got loyal patients. Right. Um, and so why don't we switch to, uh, to fee for service? And I talked that over with my patient. That was our last podcast, you know, talking about how we went, how we went right. through that. Right. Right. Um, yeah. but that was kind of the evolution of it was, was it started out that I just, I saw the futility in, in, um, in volume, not making a bottom dollar difference on my take home. All it did was it gave me a lot more, um, responsibility and headache and, uh, that's when I just knew that I needed to change the game up for myself. Okay. Now moving forward, what would your advice be? What are some of the things that you did that have helped you handle the position? So it's gotta be, there's gotta be some training. Yes. There's gotta be some skill sets. Talk a little bit about what's put you in a position that you can produce physically produce those kind of numbers in that kind of time. What's, what's, so what's, I think your, I did it the hard way, Sonny, but if, if someone were to say, okay, I'm two years out and I want to become where you are in two years, I think it's doable. Um, so I'll, just, I'll, you know, I like talking about shortening the curve for people that I mentor sure. and, and it's just like, you don't need to take 20 years to figure out what you could figure out in a year and a half or right. two weeks, um, doing it the wrong way versus the right way or taking okay ce versus just going for the jugular taking this uh, and some of it might be on youtube it's just a mindset kind of thing for some of the stuff um so one for me in particular was reading the book traction gino wickman and then uh uh hiring an eos coach and we implemented eos in the last couple of years and that's reduced my headaches because it delegates to everyone more responsibility that they inherently want to have some ownership in it too. And it gives more ownership to the team to say, what are our core values? Uh, what are we about? What is our, what is our mission mission statement? And do we, it, do we live it? And, and is this actually 
what we state as our mission, you know? So that's good. Uh, then I also so, did uh, profit first. Oh, go ahead. No, no, just, I, I just want a little clarification. You said EOS. Oh, good call. So EOS is the entrepreneur operating system. Uh, operating system is an MBA type kind of discussion um, that uh, talks about, and MBA just makes sure people, you know, masters of your business associate or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. master's business administration. And so when you um, implement uh, EOS on the entrepreneurial operating system, it's a, a, a management style of how you have meetings, how you talk about problems, how you solve problems, and how you proactively uh, work through um, what does your ideal employee look like? Are those employees who you have? How do you get those kind of employees? What kind of revenue are you pulling down? What are your goals for those? Uh, how many, like, let's name our problems. And then fun, a fun thing, let's keep, kill, and combine the problems that you have into a problem list. And now how do we set up our goals for the next three months? Uh, do we do quarterly kind of stuff where the next three months, Chad, you as the innovator to the practice, you need to figure out, you know, how you're going to solve some of the biggest problems to the practice. The implementer is going to help figure out, okay, so what are tangible ways that they could set up a rock is what they call it. Basically a big goal for that quarter to uh, solve problems uh, for, um, you know, getting closer to, uh, to solving that, that issue. And, uh, and so, yeah, you're, it, it's, it talks about, you know, the people, in your practice are uh, you know your marketing and branding are, are you bringing in the kinds of patients that you want and and um you know looking over expenditures looking over um your systems uh there's there's five or six or seven different things that you know implement um so where did traction. you learn this where did the, you had to learn this somewhere where did you learn uh i went on audible download the book traction and then uh there was a lady across town um that That's was Gino wickman right yes it is yeah yeah and so uh there, there was a lady across town dentist uh, across town that was uh implementing the stuff and we were talking about it and she said i have a an eos coach that can help you implement these systems and i said oh man that actually sounds amazing why don't i talk with this guy fantastic guy uh and uh john leonetti is my local guy and um he uh he's helped us implement you know the the eos system so that way we've got the right lingo that we're all talking the same way when we have our level 10 or our l10 meeting on monday afternoons um that you know we know how the meeting goes and why the meeting goes that way and what our expectations of are for looking at our stats you know are we hitting our goals and are we hitting those rocks and do you need help hitting that, that rock or are you still good managing it on your own because the first part of a three month cycle, you know, the first week when you have the meeting, it's like, are you on track to meet that goal in 11 weeks? Yeah, sure. You know, but at the closer you get when you're four weeks out, it's like, you know what, I might need some help on that because I'm not doing so hot uh, or I might be done with it. So that kind of stuff. So what did EOS do to your practice? How much did it improve your practice by? The stress level is the biggest deal. If you looked at my numbers, what we've done is, you know, like they helped over the last two years for me to go from uh, from uh, PPO to fee for service practice because we've helped 
control the the problems and hit them in a proactive way. But if you talk about bottom dollar, it's just like, well, Chad, you're producing even less and uh or or the same volume you know that you were so your production is the same but your collections is up that's good for you and all but like uh um you know like you, you didn't double or anything fancy like that it's like true and i closed a practice but yet i was decisive about doing that um it was also decisions about do we keep this associate or not um, what are we looking for and having those frank discussions. So it also afforded for them there to be a team leader within each department that was coming to the weekly meeting. And we were, they were listening to me be transparent about, um, my problems with the business and how we can solve those together. Uh, it's, it's made a big difference, you know, being able to talk about what our core values are and what are examples of those core values. And when we, um, for example, we had a newer uh, admin person and after um, after her two month evaluation, we said, you know, you're you're good at what you do and you're a good person. You're just not the right fit for us. And that's rough to tell someone, but we we knew it. And so we weren't, you know, questioning you know, is this person right for us or not? Uh, we just, we just knew she wasn't. And we were quicker to decide on that as opposed to, I think a lot of guys, a lot of guy dentists don't listen to their intuition and they'll reluctantly keep on going and going. And then, you know, X months or years later, they go, I knew it. I knew we should have, you know, kept that person or got rid of them or whatever, but it's just like, yeah, but you didn't, you kept on doing what you knew you shouldn't do. So I don't know. I, I just feel like that's a tough sell, you know, to, for me to, to talk about what EOS did for us, what traction did for us, but I'll tell you what, read the book traction and I knew it and rocket fuel, you know, same thing. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, I just needed help implementing it. And that coupled with profit first, uh, for our, uh, financial accounting, um, has made it a lot more profitable because it forces you to pay yourself first when I even have some conundrums about profit first. Cause I'm like, ah, you know, but it, it's just like, well, make up your mind, you know, cause we're going to pay you because, and I even started talking like that to my employees. I said, listen, the shareholders are not happy with, uh, with how the CEO is not deciding on this and that. The only problem is I'm the shareholders and I'm the CEO and I'm not going to fire the CEO, which is myself. So something has to be done because we need to figure out the solution to this. And it's not going to be the firing of me, but, but the shareholders are not happy. And when I think of it that way, and I think, do the shareholders, uh, are they satisfied with how this business is, is handling this, uh, this action? I'm not, and we need to change something about it. Mm -hmm. So those so were big results, but they weren't in bottom dollar. I think long-term they'll pay off that way for clarity's sake. So, so let's get back to the train of thought that you were on when I interrupted you about the EOS you were talking about. Um, I think I was going into profit first. Yeah. Uh, you know, and just those two things have been big helps. Um, when you ask, you know, so like, you know, uh, what have I learned over the last couple of years and how would I uh, advise other people, man, if you get, if you can get a chance to have coaching done, um, in implementing some of these bigger models, I was very reluctant to that in my first, uh, nine years of practice. And I think that was, um, my, 
hold up uh-huh. that set me back a decade. And, but of course you're scared and you don't have the money to do it or you don't think you do. And, and, um, the way I looked at it was a uh, coaching was pay me $30,000 or however much it is now, you know, like pay, pay us this sum of money. And we're going to tell you to raise your fees and, and we're going to tell you what to do, you know, do this and do that. And I'm like, no, I'm my own boss. And I just, I had a poor attitude about it, but that's what I saw them doing. And then wait, you get to keep the money, whether my business ends up doing well or not, this is stupid. So I just had a trust issue with uh, consulting altogether. And now I'm a lot more um, open to coaching. Um, I, I've become more humble. I've, I've gained a lot more humility. Uh, I don't think I'm an overly humble person, but I've, I've, I've gone from being a zero in humility to at least a 10 out of a hundred. So, so what are some of the things though, that you picked up? What are some of the skill sets that you picked up? Delegation. Um, so that's uh, business skill delegation, right? Yeah. Well, even clinical, I'm, I'm just even that's talking. a good point. That is a good point. Clinically. It, yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, I think a lot of dentists want to micromanage, you know, their, oh, yeah. their, yeah. I mean, that shouldn't go without, or however, that, that goes without saying. Um, so so but, you have that. Now, what about, um, what about your dental skills, dental clinics skills? So right out of school, I went and, and took implant courses. Um, and so I, I, like three weeks out of school, I was at the AGD um, in DC, 05, uh-huh. uh, at the, the annual conference there, I'm doing a two-day workshop on implants. I did a two-day workshop on uh, Dr. Kerner uh, talking about extractions and stuff like that. Yeah, and then, Kerner, yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, what's his name from, uh, I think he's from Pennsylvania, uh, um, the implant, um, uh, Han. Yep. Uh, yep. 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 Han right, uh, uh, 05 was teaching, you know, a thing on um uh, Nobel implants. And then I, uh, went from there and I, uh, did Michael Sonic's, uh, implant, uh, courses up in uh, Connecticut. Um, interestingly, I did Arun Garg's implant course again, uh, like his mastership program and everything like that. Um, in, uh, about 2017 ish, 2016 to 2018, yeah. I did the whole bit of it all. <clears throat> and, um, people were like, you've been placing implants for over 10 years and you're taking this course. I said, here's the deal. You're writing down specifics. I'm writing down notes on general concepts that like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, you know, to put the drill in the middle, you know, but like, and you're going, Oh, put the drill in the middle. I'm looking at it from the bigger picture. I'm learning so much. I should probably go back in another 10 years because I, I can't believe how much I'm actually relearning. And that sounds so cliche, but it's like, wow, I can't believe how much I'm learning as I re go through it. So implants were big, but that's assuming that you want to do oral surgery. Not everyone does. Um, I, uh, but you know, then I, I also, uh, finished my, um, uh, my AGD fellowship, uh, back in, oh, I don't know, uh, 2012, maybe something like that in Nashville. So someone can look that up and whether it's 2012, 2013, something like that, but Nashville, I finished that with some buddies and, and that was cool that we were pressing each other to finish with that. Um, and, uh, so I, I don't, I just relentlessly love clinical CE. Um, but, uh, but you can implementing it is a big deal. I see a lot of people, they, they go and fill their head and then they're almost like clinically constipated with all this head knowledge that they're not using because they're timid. 
And so it's neat uh, food for thought. But then, you know, six months later, it's like, hey, are you placing those implants that you learned about? No, not quite yet. It's just like, shoot, you paid 20 some, you paid $30,000 for that. And you, you need to recoup that cost. Like, I love that implants are lucrative enough for me that, that they've had a return on the investment. Yeah. I also think though, that happens often. Oh, you, take, big you take a class, you take a class, you're jazzed up, you come back and it's just not the right time. The schedule life gets in the way before you know it, it's two, three years in. Yep. You haven't done a damn thing. Yep. So Sonny, what I do is on the flight home, I'm putting in exactly. emails. Yes. I'm putting in emails to my office manager, block off a time on Wednesday or whenever our next meeting is, I want to have 30 minutes dedicated to being able to talk about this. I'm writing my assistant saying, I want you to order these three products. We're gonna start using them, not this Monday, on my Sunday flight. You know, We're not gonna use them tomorrow. We're gonna start using them next Monday. And so I'll be shooting them some, uh, you know, some emails and stuff like that. So that way we're implementing it. Yep. That's what we do. We put an action plan together and, and yeah. it's always on the ride home. Yeah. You know? And what's cool is these days uh, now I'm, uh, you know, with traction, I'm more the visionary. And then my office manager is the implementer in within our system. And so yeah. basically uh, what, what, what John Leonetti has facilitated with us is that he's like, Chad shouldn't be implementing it. He's going to probably be the worst implementer of this. So, when he says this needs to be what we talk about, then it needs to be like, then you guys need to take ownership of making sure that it gets implemented, which I love because then they have a lot more ownership on it. Right. No, I agree with you. And uh, I, I do see that as a swing and a miss sometimes with docs is that they, uh, they take all this stuff and they don't change a darn thing, you know? Right. And, you know, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. You spent $25,000 on something and I, I'm, I'm a little bit more, I want to implement something almost before I've thought it fully through. Yeah. So I'm a little more ready fire Shoot than from me. the hip. Yep. <laughs> you know, and my, and my partner is he ready. He aims, he aims a little more, aims a little more. So it's, it's a nice balance. Because yes. I, I I push that button on that, and he's sort of our chief operating officer in terms of how things run. Yeah. So it's it's a nice mix, you know. It's like so I, I guess I'm the gas pedal. He's not the brake, but he's sort of the the yield sign. Which and, gear he's in? Yeah. Right. You know. So it's it works, and it's it's a good function. But I also think you have to continue to make investments in yourself and your clinical skills. But yep. the business side, like you're you're, you're alluding to. Because you mentioned the book Traction. Anybody could pick up that book and read it. It's not specific to dentistry, right? No, it's not. So, you know, for you to take that and change the way you practice in a, in a multi-million dollar small business is fascinating. It's just fascinating. You know, it's not, I read the ABCs of dentistry by G.V. Black. Okay, that's great. That's a dental book, you know, or, you know, Dr. Such and Such renowned dental clinician talks about the business of dentistry, you know, it's like, all right, but no, I, I, I took it from this. So there's a certain amount of skill involved and a certain amount of faith involved with that. So I think that's, that's awesome. You know, it could have even been a, a an overall fail. Um, ha, I mean, you don't know when you first start it, it could, but like there surely if I try and make 
10 noodles stick on the wall and only three stick, we'd be three noodles closer to having a wall full of spaghetti. And I don't know what analogy that would have to do with, but that the business would be a step closer to being a a better systems. You have, you you have to try. And I think a lot of times, and I was talking to Josh Bernstein today and he said this very specifically, a lot of times you learn a lot more in your failure than you do in your successes. That's been my last couple of years. (laughs) No, for sure. (laughs) <laughs> I, you know what, I, what's helped me though, is being able to admit my mistakes because a lot of people are, are quick to be proud of their successes and right. believe me, I'm one of them, but for some dumb reason, I'm willing to at least be transparent enough to share with people my failures. Um, and that affords for me to feel better about it, that other people are learning from it. I guess I just at least have a heart to, to say that I can be, um, I can be, um, embarrassed enough or whatever. Yeah. yeah, To, to, to just say, well, I vulnerable to learn from Mm -hmm. it. And I, I love, you know, the last podcast that we got, I got a couple of emails and people said, you know, that's actually really cool that you shared that because I don't think they're used to that kind of frankness, you know, and and so it's like, it's it's very, very few, very few people want to expose that part of their anatomy, you know? Yes. Yep. I guess I have no incentive to not to. I, it's I feel like on a podcast like this, it's in good company. I wouldn't want to necessarily. I, I suppose it's it's live enough that my patients could find this, but they're probably not going to when I'm talking about like business specifics. But I feel good in good company talking about it because it's not braggadocious. It's just like no, really, I you know like I just uh, for better or worse, these are my numbers. I've heard plenty of people do better. I've heard plenty of people doing worse. So yeah, no, no, you're, you're not beating on your chest by any stretch, you know, no. and it's not, it's not a look at me thing, but I'm the one telling you, you should, that's pretty impressive to do what you're doing in the time you're doing. And, and with having that week off every month, that probably really helps out your life work balance. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've, yeah, it just does. I, I actually, uh, you know, plan for more, uh, vacation to where, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're blocking off enough time to, to do fun family stuff. My son is 13. So I, I told Sarah, I was just like, you know, we've got four more summers ish before he's off to college. Yep. And, you know, so like, we're planning out, where are we going to go this next summer? Well, you know, like, where are we going to go the summer after? Because I'm like, I've, I've got a hundred places I want to go, but let's make sure that we're making the most of it, you know? Yeah. So that kind of stuff, uh, was, yeah. by the way, next summer, we're going to be hitting, Alaska in the, uh, in, in August for our summer vacation, uh, you know, but then also in June, we're going to be doing, um, some hiking through Utah, uh, stuff like that, you know, so just out outdoorsy kind of stuff, but I'm, I'm jazzed about it already, you know, that's cool. Yeah. So, so some final thoughts as we wrap things up, what would your, uh, what would your advice be to someone so ambitious as to want to add two dental practices to their practice. Uh, what would your advice be to them? Um, you're going to have plenty of people say, don't do it. Uh, I still think it's a good idea. I don't think that it's categorically a wrong thing to do just because it failed for me. Um, so I still say, you know, like if you've got an entrepreneur's heart and you know, you don't have COVID two just pop up unnecessarily. Uh, you st- it, c- it can still be successful. So uh, does that make sense, Sonny? I mean, mm-hmm. 
Okay. But yeah, I, I, I still like, you think that I would be the type that would go, don't do it. And here I am, I'm going, actually, I don't think it's a bad idea. Now, if you're already, like, if you're scared about doing it, if you're like, what are you, is he telling me to open to? No, I'm saying if you came to me saying you wanted to open to, then you must be crazy enough to like, at least be considering it. Then you're the type of person that might, like, if you're the risk taker and the entrepreneur and, you know, bold enough to do it, uh, cause I'm still that person. It's just, I got shot in the foot for this, but maybe five years, 10 years from now, I might actually have a couple more practices. I don't know. I don't see that right now but I would spare myself that in the future I might. Um, so, uh, so I say cautiously go forward and you're going to have people saying, don't do it. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong to do, but make sure that you're in, in their negativity. And I, I mean this in the best of ways in their negative, like, yeah, buts don't do that because yeah, but this and that make sure that you have an apologetic an answer to why you're going to do what you're doing. So that way it's intentional, smart, and bold and decisive. Right. Was there anything that you look back on last question? Anything you look back, anything you'd have done differently? Um, I had a rough time with staffing at the uh, the West side office, the, the North side office was just a shell. I basically, you know, manned it myself. There wasn't any old employees. It was just the promise of, you know, potential growth for me to get that one. The West side one though, the employees were very, uh, loyal to the last doctor and they mm-hmm. were, um, they were, uh, uh, wanting to have no changes and that was a rough thing because I uh, had to decide, should I wipe it out? Should, you know, like, so some of them didn't stick around and some of them I didn't keep around. Some of them I kept around and then come to find out that it wasn't a right fit. That's a lesson for me that I'm still trying to figure out. I don't feel like I, I am a master at that, but uh, that was rougher. And now I firsthand understand that complexity. So my only advice to that would also be get a mentor and talk it through and make sure that, man, I value uh, closing thought. I value mentorship now more than ever. There it is. And I've, I've at least valued that over coaching since day one, you know, I've had mentors, but man, now more than ever, you know, being able to bounce it off of someone that's, um, had that before, uh, or that complexity, um, is, is worth, uh, at least hearing out whether you agree with them or not. It's like to bounce that idea off and let iron sharpen iron. There you go. There's great advice. Mentors. Yeah. Well, my friend, good to talk to you from the Midwest. Hope everything's well in Iowa. And uh, for the listeners' sake, just real quick, Sonny, thank you for being patient with me being a butthead and and coming on late. So I know it's a late night for you. And so you've been a very uh, receptive and and, uh, wonderful (laughs) host. So thank you very much, buddy. You're welcome. My pleasure. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast. If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. 
Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.